prophets. The minor prophets were not known as minor because they weren't important. They simply wrote shorter books. So folks like Isaiah, who had 66 chapters, that was a major prophet. The folks who had six or seven chapters, they were the minor prophets. But their message is anything but minor and anything but meaningless. Like many other prophets in the history of the Old Testament people, Micah was calling out to his people with a message from God saying, I want the best for you. I want you to to have all that I've had for you, and I don't want you to experience the terrible consequences of sin. And yet, time after time, the people would wander away and grow far from God. And so, in this chapter, God is pleading through the prophet Micah with his people Israel. Would you stand, please, as we read? Now hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountain, the Lord's complaint, and you strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Testify against me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Acacia Grove to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. And Father, we ask that you would help us to live lives that are not simply respectable or socially acceptable, but rather, Lord, that we would live lives that are pleasing to you in your sight, because it is not the judgment of our family or friends that ultimately matters the most. God, it is your judgment of our lives, your evaluation that really counts. We pray that we would draw closer to you through this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Being sued is a scary thing. Uh, I've never been sued. I don't want the experience, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But the thought of being sued is scary, and I've had many friends who've been sued and it's never fun. You never know what's going what's to come against you. What kind of high-powered lawyers the other team has. What are they going to say? But imagine you're in court and your opponent is the Lord God Almighty. 
that he stands before you. He stands before all listening. And he begins to list your faults and your failures. Be a little bit intimidating. And God says to the people of Israel, I got a complaint. I got an issue with you folks. He says, but let me question you. Let me put you on the stand for just a minute. I want to find out, how have I been such a terrible God to you? How have I wearied you, he says. In other words, have I gotten on your nerves? Am I a little too almighty for you? Is my goodness and mercy, is the fact that I brought you up from bondage and out of slavery, is that a little bit too much? Am I hovering? Am I a helicopter God? What, what is your issue with me? Israel, I not only saved you, I brought you into the promised land. Lord, I did whatever needed to be done. I, I did it all. I'm your Lord. I'm your God. Why are you having a problem with me? He then shifts focus. The chapter, it, it, it goes from the Lord making in the first five verses, the Lord making these, this complaint against them. In the court of heaven. And in verse 6, it's a, a human voice. Perhaps, perhaps the, the prophet Micah trying to say, how do we respond to this? How in the world can we, can we appease the anger that God has for us for our shortcomings? And so he says, well, what shall I come before the Lord with? And he starts listing all these things that human beings think are going to make God real happy. So should I bow before him? Should I bring him a, a ton, uh, more oil than you could ever imagine, more grain, uh, the, the finest calf, the, you know, all of these offerings in the Old Testament, all these things that people thought, man, if I just offer this, God's going to be so happy with me. Even, and his final thing is, should I even give up my firstborn? Isn't that something? Something God never asked the Israelite people. He tested Abraham on that mountain, but he didn't allow him to do it. He never allowed the people of Israel to sacrifice their sons. The idea of sacrificing children, that was a, a pagan idea, that the pagans around Israel sacrificed their children to their evil religion. God doesn't want any of that. He doesn't want us to do these quick trips of, uh, oh, I did this grand thing. I gave this huge sum of money. I did this. I did that. And it's all about us. In other words, we can kind of bribe God, the thinking goes. We can do enough spectacular thing over here that he'll forget about what we're not doing here. And Micah says, nope. That's not going to work, folks. And in verse 8, he simply boils down what the people need to do. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. In other words, don't give me the excuses. Can't you imagine? That, I mean, there's a lot in the Old Testament. There's more than there is in the New. Can you imagine that people, the Israelites would say, well, you know, I don't really know what I did wrong. It's such a big, big book, and it's so complicated, and there's so many laws, and, and there was this whining and complaining going on as, as they thought, why is God mad with us? And God says, no. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there to help you understand what you should do, and, and there's a lot of laws to help you to realize 
that, that you're never going to reach my level of perfection and therefore you need grace. But this isn't about spiritual salvation, what it takes. These are already God's people, but they are God's rebellious people. They are people of God who are not living how they are supposed to. And he says, let me give you a quick refresher. In case you don't remember what I want you to do, I got a three-point sermon, Micah says, and it's straight from God. Number one is to do justice. To do justice. Absolutely, uh, all the translations are all over the place on this. Some of them say act justly. Some of them say act just or do justice. Some of them say do righteousness. However you want to put it. I I didn't use a translation that said act because... Sometimes we think act means make-believe, and that wasn't what this is. When he says act justly or do justice, he means live a life of righteousness. Go ahead and choose to live a holy and pure life. Number one, you want to please God, you want to make him happy, live a life by God's standards. You see, these folks had this little system they'd worked in their own mind. Where if they did some big special something for God, then he was going to turn the other way and not look at them when they weren't living righteously. When they lied to their friends. When they abused their families. When they embezzled or manipulated in evil business dealings. When they dealt with their employees harshly. When they cheated their fellow man. When they rose up against one another in anger and in violence. They thought all that stuff was okay. Because hey on the Sabbath we go to the temple. We make our sacrifices. We're good holy God's people. And God says no. I care about what you do on those other six days of the week. I don't want you a one day a week believer. I want you to live a righteous and holy life each and every day. So Micah says, point number one, do justice or act righteously, live righteously. Point number two, to love mercy. Now this is the easy one, right? To love mercy. Any of you hate mercy? Any of you, any of you like someone, you screw up bad and someone comes up to you and man, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Now, some people are kind of crazy like that, but most of us are going to be like, Thanks. Thanks for forgiving me. Thanks for understanding. Thanks for, you know, uh, just getting the fact that I'm going to mess up and I really appreciate it. But he's not talking about loving mercy for us. We all love mercy for us unless there's something wrong with us. He means love mercy for others. That means when someone aggravates you. That means when someone lets you down. That means when someone cheats you or harms you or or disappoints you, you show mercy just as God has shown mercy to you every single time you've failed him, you've sinned against him, you've rebelled against him, and God's mercy has been shown to you. God says, I want you to learn that mercy that you love so much when it's coming from me, I want you to to love that mercy when it's headed for others as well. Do justly. Love mercy. Third point, walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. 
You know, our walks are unique, aren't they? Have you ever seen someone, um, like, from behind? You can't really make out their features, but you just see the way they walk. And you know, oh, that's so-and-so. Poor Caleb, I remember several times people saw, oh, I see that one. He walks just like you, Tim. You know, sometimes walks go in the family. I mean, it's bad enough, and people say, oh, he looks like you. But then he walks like you, you know. No one ever wants to hear that. But people walk in a certain way. The way you walk in the Old Testament, it's not about your swagger. It's not about your style. Walking means how you live. It is your mode of life. It, it, it's the way you do life, the way you do you. That's how you walk in, in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament as well. So when he says walk humbly with God, he means your life should be a pattern of staying with God in humility. Walk humbly with God. You see, believe it or not, as much as these folks were, were sliding and taking shortcuts, and they were all arrogant. They weren't humbly, humbly walking with God. They were like, oh, we're God's people. Nothing bad's going to happen to us. We're the chosen ones. Everybody knows it. You know, they mess with us. God's going to, smite you. You're gone. You know, they were just all arrogant about being God's people. And God said, look, that's not it. And see, a lot of people can kind of, a lot of religious folk can kind of like that first one. Okay, yes, I, I live righteously. That love, mercy, that's a little harder, but, you know, because they can get a little judgmental of other folks. But, well, yeah, I love mercy toward those who deserve it. <laughs> None of us deserve it. That's the key thing about mercy. That's why mercy is mercy. We don't deserve it. And then he says, walk humbly with God. And that is to say, God, I need more. I, I, I am not yet filled. I am not yet complete. I am not yet perfected. God, I have so much more. I'm a work in progress. And so to walk with God, not to say, oh, <laughs> man, I'm just like God. I'm up here above everybody. But to humbly walk in the shadow of God's presence. To learn from him. To say, God, I understand that I'm in need of mercy just as much as anybody. As much as I might try, I fail on a daily basis to live a just life. But God, I need you. And that walk of humility, you know, it is so attractive. I don't mean romantically or anything like that, but just when you find a genuinely kind person who is humble, you just want to be around them. You know, sometimes cocky people, they're kind of interesting at first, you know, and then after a while you're like, man, do they ever talk about anything but themselves? And God has called us to be people of humility. We have this whole book, not because there's, you know, 66 different books of different things we have to do to walk with the Lord. But rather, there are 66 books giving further explanation and, and further encouragement to do these same basic things. To walk a life of righteousness, to live a life of righteousness, to love being merciful to other people, not holding it over against them. 
and to being humble with God. Now, can we all do, are these things easy? No, they're not. They're simple to understand, but they're not at all easy. In fact, I'd say that they are impossible without the help of God. And that is why you and I who are believers each had to come to that moment where we acknowledge Jesus. You have done something for me I couldn't do for myself. You bore my sins on the cross. And because of that, because we have been forgiven, because we have been freed from the power of sin, because we now have the Holy Spirit which indwells us, we can lean on that spirit and allow that spirit to work through us so that we might live in this way. Because I'm going to tell you, if, if you try to live this way, you say, oh, that is simple. I'm going to walk righteously, and I'm going to love mercy, and I'm going to walk humbly with God. You try to do that in your own power, and you will fail time and time again, over and over. But when you seek God, when you allow him to work through you, you'll be able to live in such a way. And when you get out of his will, and when you stray, and when you get away from the leading of the Holy Spirit, and you falter, and we all will from time to time, we look back to him, he offers us that mercy and forgiveness, and we get back on the right track. This isn't a thing we do because we're worried that we're not saved, that we're worried we don't have a relationship. It's something we do because we have a relationship with our Father, and we want it to be better than it's ever been before. We want it to grow richer and higher and deeper. Just like Jesus echoed the, uh, the words of, in the Old Testament about loving God and loving people, and that's one very simple way of summing up how we are to walk as believers, Micah put it here pretty succinctly. Three points instead of two, but it's still pretty good. Live or act justly love mercy and walk humbly with our God pray with me this morning God you've called us to be different from a world that schemes and connives and tries to get the best of people father we're supposed to give the best you called us to give our all in living to build your kingdom and to touch lives. You've called us to love mercy. Because God, every single person that we think about helping, we can always rationalize and say, God, they don't deserve it because they did this and they didn't do that. and Because none of us are perfect, but we all need your mercy. And we need to extend that mercy to others. Help that to sink deeply into our hearts. And, Father, that need for a deep humility, that the world would look at us and not see a bunch of hypocrites who act like they're perfect, but instead would see humble men and women, boys and girls, who know they are far from perfect, but have been given the grace of the perfect one and humbly seek to follow his way. Lord, be with us now during this time of invitation. God, may you um, be at work in our hearts to draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
This morning you respond as the Lord leads.